but it's the stories, man. We, we got, yeah. we had a, I had one email me last week and she said, she said, I was putting my 11 month old to bed. And she goes, when I came out, I was looking everywhere for my phone. She said, so I asked my eight year old, she oh. said, Hey, have you, have you seen mom's phone? And the eight year old said, she goes, yeah, I put it in that box thingy. And she goes, <laughs> oh. she goes, well, why'd you put it in that box thingy? She said, because you play with me more when your phone's in the box. When the box thingy. <laughs> Bro, think about that. All right, Joey, thanks for being here, my friend. Dalton, thank you so much. Absolutely. I'm super glad to be doing this. Um, Aro, I know you got Aro going on, but I kind of wanted to start with a, a, a quick question right out the front, which is um, being present and intentional, like just in life in general. I feel like one thing that I've learned on this podcast is what makes you successful in one area can make you successful in another area. So like knowing how to be intentional, like with your time at work, when you're at fit with family, but how do you teach? I mean, how do you go about spreading the idea that, that how to be intentional? Like what, why is that important? All that good stuff. Being intentional is so it's in, intentions, an interesting thing. So intention is inherently does not have action associated with it. Right. So it, it, you have to align your actions with your intentions. And so, mm -hmm. but you can't do that without beginning with the intention. What do you actually want? And so setting that intention, but then like, you got to figure out how in the heck do I, how do I, the heck do I align all of my actions with that? And the first thing is for me is eliminating distraction. And so distraction, as I define it is anything that gets in the way of your intention. So if you said, I'm going to have a great family dinner, Okay, that's your intention. And so what are the impediments you can get rid of you can that you can get um, that you can remove from that. So for us, I mean, the biggest distraction that any of us have is the phone in our pocket as great as it is. It's amazing. It's great. But that's the single thing that can derail a moment of conversation or a vulnerable moment with your spouse or a great conversation with your child or even reading a book. And so what that does when it comes to relationships and, and you know, this is this is this is the ethos of RO, but it's a personal ethos as well, which is when you, when you are focused on your relationships, you have to get rid of those things so that you can be fully focused on that. Cause what you do in relationships is you're communicating to the other person when you're present with them, that you accept them. And I think as a dad, I'll just say as a dad, I have a 15 year old and a 13 year old. That's the most important thing that they could get from me is this feeling of love and acceptance. And I can tell them till I'm blue in the face, but the real way that they're going to mm -hmm. feel that is by me being fully, fully present with them. Yeah, I like that. I'm uh, reading this book, The 33 Strategies of War. And what you said in your comment was, uh, you know, like you can tell people till they're blue in the face, right? And But the idea is, and one of the strategies of war is um, judge people by their actions, right? Like I love Robert Greene and I love his like human like philosophy. Right. And so one of the things, but like, it's crazy how people do that just inherently, right? Like they, you know, we, we do get like, sometimes we get these gut feelings. Sometimes we get these ideas of like, whatever, but then we like really have to look and see what's going on. Right. Like get the real picture. You know what I mean? And so what's wild about all of that is 
it, it is really just about like how you are present. Like people can tell your intentions by what's going on. Is, is there more to that or is that, or does that just scratch the surface or what do you think about that? Well, the, you know, it, it's one thing to, I think, so the term RO, again, our business, the, the term RO means to notice, to notice, which I, I love that term. And I think that we, even, even before presence, even before intention is notice. And do we notice what's going on? If we, if I see something's a little bit off with my daughter, do I really notice that? And so then, it, and then I become present and then you dig in even deeper, but you can't do anything until we've noticed that until, and again, this all goes back to distraction. If we're, if my mind's filled with a bunch of other stuff, if I'm worrying about the future, I'm inherently not in the present. If I'm thinking back on regrets, I'm thinking in the past. And so I'm inherently not in the present. And so how do we take that moment of notice in the very present and then dig into that even more? So it's, it's absolutely, there's more to it, but it begins with presence. And if you have a baseline of presence, cause you never know, let's say you never know when you're, when a, a great conversation is going to come up with your child, especially with kids, you never know when it's going to happen, but quality time only comes as a result of quantity time. That's from a guy by the name of Billy Phoenix, which I love is you just have to be there and be present and wait for that, you know, that magic moment to arise. You can't concoct that. You can't plan that out. It just happens, but it only happens if you are present. And so there's absolutely more to, but it always begins with that baseline of presence, which can't happen until you begin with notice. <laughs> and you think that uh, now the, the whole mission of RO is to, um, it's to kind of re help remove those with your phone, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It is. It it begins. You know, I found myself. You know, I'll even start with a, a story, Dalton. When I, when I was, um, it's about ten years ago, and my son was five. So my son, who's fourteen, almost fifteen now, so he's playing in soccer soccer season, and he's such a great kid. He, right now, he's such a good tennis player. When he was five, he was a bad soccer player. He was not good at soccer. He at that when he was five, and so where he's playing the soccer season, everybody on the team had scored a goal except for him. And so this magical moment on a Saturday afternoon arises where he rears back his leg in the middle of the game, kicks the ball and it goes into the back of the net and the crowd goes wild because the, the you know, and he laughs when I tell the story, the worst kid on the team scored a goal, right? And his <laughs> yeah. coach comes out and lifts him up and everybody's excited. And so what does a five-year-old boy do when he scores his first soccer goal? He looks at dad. He, he turns to uh -huh. the sideline locks eyes with me just to make sure that I saw that moment. It was this beautiful, magical moment, except I didn't see any of that. What I just described, I didn't see a bit of that because I was looking down at my phone. And so oh, we found no. in our, in our personal moments. And, and by the way, that's not back to my comment earlier. I, I didn't have bad intentions. I did have intention to be there present, but I just didn't have the tools to align my actions with my intentions. So as great as our phones are, we find they are these huge distractions. They can be distractions in our lives. And it's not inherently the phone itself or even the contents of the phone itself. It's our relationship mm -hmm. to the phone. And we need some help. And I think as a society, we're 15 years into the iPhone. We've come to a point where I think most people say, I need a little bit of help with this. And in the same way that I could go out on a run today and burn some calories on my own for free, instead I, I belong to a gym because I need I need the tools, I need to remove the friction to go do this thing that is hard. So mm. what we've done at RO is let's create a system and a platform that makes it easy to put down your phone so that you can then go and engage in 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 real life and in the things that you intend to do well. Yeah. I like that. I think one thing when I 
here when I, when I was just listening to you is it's just so easy uh, yeah. to like let things distract you. Right. And I heard them talk about ADHD one time, not as an attention like disorder, but an intention disorder. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, I love, I have it. I have ADHD. Right. And so yeah, yeah. when I, but so, and what are the, what do they tell you to do? Like some of the tools that they give you, some of the things that I do are like you, you make it like I have a terrible memory. So one of the things that I do is whenever I, I have a 10 second rule, like whenever I think of something I need to do, if I don't write it down in 10 seconds, I'm, I lose it. I'm it's Done. gone. Until until it like comes right back in my face and it's eminently present, right? Right. Like I'm done, right? Or like uh, working out. Yeah, like I I can't stick to a routine at a gym. Yeah. So I have to join like I have to join like jujitsu or boxing where there's a yeah. coach telling us what to do. Not because I'm lazy, just because I like I just you know what I mean. I have yeah. that intention thing where I have to just like, all right, I know I'm not going to go to the gym and follow a piece of paper. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, but I'll be able to whatever. Yeah. And it's so interesting with with our phones. It's an interesting thing for people because it seems like such a, a basic thing. Of course, it's very easy. So, yeah. and, and science science is telling us, by the way, that to reduce our screen time. Which I don't know about you, but I've I'd say ninety percent of people I talk to say some version of, "Oh, I spend too much time on my phone." Oh, I, you know. <laughs> right. And so we all recognize the problem in ourselves, and most of us do. But science is telling us the only effective way to reduce our screen time is for it to be out of our visual field and away from our bodies, which, yeah, duh, right? I mean, of course, like if my phone's not with me and I can't see it, I'm not going to use it. So it sounds very easy. It sounds very basic. And so the challenge yeah. is not knowing what to do. And the challenge is not we lack a place to put it. All of us have drawers. All of us have shoe boxes that we could put it in. Mm -hmm. But it's the it's developing that muscle around actually doing it. So what's going to be the thing that helps us go do that? And so we reckon and, and so I think we underestimate the problem as a society. We know we need to do it, but we underestimate the problem. Oh, I should be able to do this on my own. And as a result of that, because it actually is hard, we don't do anything about it. So, so what we've done, we've gamified, we've gamified the experience of being away from your phone. We have the, you know, Aro yeah. is, is a platform and a system that makes it, that makes it easy. And, and in a way you could say we're gamifying being present. So, you need some help. You need the software interface. You need the app to tell you it's time to spend some time away from your phone. You need to see your streaks and badges of being away. And so the way we do that is we have this app built and the app automatically connects to this device that lives in your home. So it's a physical place where you put your phone automatically connects to the app and then begins tracking the time you're away from your phone. So we all get, if you have an iPhone, you get the screen time report on Sundays that shows how much time you've been on your phone. We're the only right. solution that tells you how much time you've been intentionally away from your phone. And this is the key yeah. distinction. And again, this is from a, a researcher by the name of Dr. Maxi Heitmeyer out of the London School of Economics. He says, if your phone is present, you are using your phone because you're still mm -hmm. interacting with it. You're anticipating something coming to you. You're anticipating mm -hmm. a text. And if you, if you hear a buzz or if you see it light up, you're interacting with it, even though you're not holding it or using it. So it has to be out of your visual field. It has to be away from you, but it's hard to put away. So we've actually gamified that system of being away from it. And when that happens, the world opens up. <laughs> wow. It opens up wide for us and for our kids. Everything changes when we put that phone away. Yeah, I love that. I When, when you talk about putting away your phone and then just like gamifying it, I, it reminds me of a of a thing I, when I heard Simon Sinek 
talk, I, I saw, watched one of his videos. He, he was talking about like, whether you, if you're talking with somebody and your phone is on the table, he's like face up or face down. It doesn't matter. He's like, people know that, know that if that goes off, like you're going to it. Right. <laughs> right. And so he's like, so he's like, so put it away, like, and let people yeah. know that you're there. And I thought at, a, at first I kind of fought that, like, but then it was true. Right. Like then I really figured out like, oh yeah, like that's, yeah, it's crazy how like you could it be is. in the middle of a conversation with your boss and your phone goes off and you'll answer it in front of your boss. Like that's wild. <laughs> right. That that's crazy. Yeah. It, it is crazy. And it, you know, we, I, I make a, I have a, a, a funny, you know, farcical story. I tell if you're sitting across from your boss and, and your boss, all of a sudden, you know, you have like this moment of vulnerability, you're going to open up to your boss. And then, and then all of a sudden, like in the middle of the conversation, right when you're about to make this big ask, your boss, you know, reaches over and picks up a Harry Potter book and starts reading in front of you. That would be ridiculous, <laughs> right? Like that would be the silliest yeah. thing ever, but we're doing that with our phones. And to your point, I hadn't actually thought about the, <laughs> the notion of, of totally snubbing your boss when you're talking to, to him or her. It's, we do it. It's, it's this natural, normal thing that we've gotten into. And it's, it's fascinating how it's impacting our relationships. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and yeah, relationships, that's crazy too, dude. We just, we spend a lot of time on our, on our phones. I'm wondering if you can, you know, if you've thought about it or if you have an opinion on, you know, you mentioned a couple of times, right. It's affecting how our, our relationships, you know, your professional, personal, romantic, whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, my question comes from like, what do you think? I mean, I mean, why do you think we're so drawn to like our phones? Like you could be a couple laying in bed and both of you are scrolling through YouTube or yeah. TikTok or whatever. Right. Like, yeah. That's, you know what I mean? Like, that's what my wife and I have caught ourselves a couple of times. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, so true. Like we're, we're here to like, it's Valentine's day, right? Like we're recording this on Valentine's day. And it's like, you're with your wife in bed on Valentine's day and you're both are scrolling through TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Which, <laughs> it's so true. Which by the way, I, there's no one I'd rather spend Valentine's day more than you right now. So I'm glad we're, I'm glad we're hanging Absolutely, right now. On Joey. Valentine's day. <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> but you know, it's funny. I saw I saw a meme the other day, and it said modern marriage has become two people sitting at opposite ends of the couch, telling the other person they're on their phone too much. Like that's what it's become. And, and I, and bro, I think it's yeah. I think it's because, and this is this is a hot take. I think it's because our phones are more interesting than our spouses, and our phones are more. Hear me out here, by the way. Don't yeah, just don't yeah, just yeah. use yeah. that clip. And I our phones you. are more interesting you. than our kids. And our phones are more interesting than books, but they're not nearly as fulfilling. They don't, they don't create a full life that we want. Ice cream tastes right. a lot better than broccoli. It really does. But we don't need ice cream for dinner because we'd lose our teeth and we'd weigh 700 pounds. And there are a bunch of reasons why we don't do that. And I don't think mm -hmm. we've elevated, I don't think we've elevated the issue of phones quite to that level just yet where it becomes so apparent. And they're mm -hmm. so easy and they're so accessible, but I think it comes back to the fact And this, you know, there's a bunch of science behind dopamine hits and stuff like that. We're getting, you know, mm -hmm. dopamine being fed to us nonstop on our phones. And by the way, Dalton, I'll, I'll say it again. I love my phone. I'm not getting rid of my phone. I need my phone. Mm -hmm. However, because of my relationship with it, if I do find myself talking with my kid and, and scrolling TikTok, if talking with my kids and scrolling TikTok, that's an, that's an unhealthy relationship and it's impacting the relationship around us. So I think it's two things to, to make that long drawn out explanation short. One, it's always <laughs> right. with us. 
one, it's always with us. And two, it's infinitely, it's infinitely powerful and probably more entertaining and interesting in the moment than most anybody around us. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, I mean, think about what, what, uh, what we're competing it with, right? Yeah. Like it's super, you know, it's just, it's scary how well people have got like, well, the system has gotten us to like stay on our phones. I mean, there's a reason that like short form content is the, is the marketing and media game of 2023. Right. Yeah. It, and that's why so that's, it, it, that's why like there used to be a time on YouTube when your video couldn't be less than 10 minutes. Like it had to be long. It had to be engaging wow. for it to get views. Right. But now it's like five minutes like yeah. six minute clips like that's, that's kind of where, I mean, obviously there's longer stuff on YouTube, right. Yeah. And we watch longer stuff, but the ones that like for, for me, right. Like no one's going to listen to me for two hours. Right. That's why I got to bring on cool guests like Joey. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but if they will, then it's going to be like, it's going to be like 60 seconds or a yeah. quick two minute video. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Totally. It, it's so. <laughs> I don't know if you've caught yourself doing this. I did it yesterday. There was a there was a YouTube video I pulled up, and an ad came up, and I saw it was one of the full thirty second ads, and I was like, "This video, this isn't worth a thirty. I'm not sitting through a thirty second ad." So I just X'd out. I was like, I, "My attention span isn't even long enough for me to sit through a thirty second ad on something I wanted to watch on YouTube." But it's so funny. Yeah, you're oh, right. The reduction of our attention span is ridiculous. Yeah, and it's just like we want like you can have it so quick. Right. And that's why people, that's why I've, I love books. Like I have a library up in my house and, um, and the one thing that I actually, I've, I've disliked from the beginning was this idea of, have you ever heard of like, you've seen like the blinkist or stuff like read a whole yeah. book in six minutes. Like yeah. that is so, I hate that I because what you don't get is like, yeah, I mean, I can read the back of the cover to get the gist of the book. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but like the stories that they share in there that like nobody's ever heard, you know what I mean? Like you don't get those things. And for me, I'm, I subscribe to the notion that you, you never read the same book twice I like because that. you're, you know what I mean? You're in a different headspace. You're in a different mode of thinking. You're in a different time and season of life. Like you never read the same book twice. And, and those nuances are what make the the biggest difference. Like in a world of, in a world where there's like so many you know, com competitors, like you can be in one company and there's 15 competitors. How do you differentiate yourself? Differentiate yourself. It's like the nuances. Right. And so that's how I yeah. think about knowledge. Like we can learn the same. I'm sure I can learn it from the book on Blinkist, but those nuances of the book to keep someone's attention to like, Oh, I read that on Blinkist, but I didn't know that story was in there. Yeah. It's, I know. <laughs> isn't that a, no, isn't that amazing? And then you just get to appreciate you get to appreciate just the way, I don't know if you've caught yourself reading a book. So there's, there's, there are two books I love. One is called, um, my glorious brothers by an author by the name of Howard fast. And it's, it's actually published in the fifties and it's about the Maccabean revolt. It's historical fiction about the Maccabean mm. revolt. And it's, it's out of print. Now I would encourage everybody listening to go get it. It is just the most <laughs> incredible book, but I find myself in that book. I find myself reading it out loud to myself. He's I'm reading because it's, it's written so beautifully and it's, and if I were to go read that on Blinkist, I'd get the <laughs> gist of it, but, but, but maybe yeah. that's not the point. Maybe the point is, is getting lost in like the way that he ordered, he 
ordered those words to make it sound so poetic and beautiful. Maybe that's the yeah. point is just getting lost in like getting lost in how he's written it and lost in the story as opposed to just rushing towards the end of it. And there's probably a, you know, Blinkist knows what they're doing, they're making some money, but but at the same oh, time sure. it's I do think you're right. You lose a lot of that color and the nuance and the beauty of that. And and frankly, that's a little bit of why I think we're another reason why our phones are in it, a little bit the early point it's because we're afraid of being bored. We're, we're afraid of getting yeah. swept up and just like being in, in the middle of something. I, I don't know about you. I'd be curious to ask you mm -hmm. about this. Like I would assume your most creative times come in a little bit of silence and a little bit of, even if you're reading or even I find myself yeah. sometimes in, in church, even when the music's going like just in silence and just like you, all the, all the creativity yeah. washes over you. I'd be curious for you. You've done, you know, 200 some, podcast and you're doing a bunch of stuff like when do you find yourself in, in your most creative zone yeah this is interesting and i like that you brought this up because for me it's the it's the stillness because and i just talked about this because um i i put a video out on youtube shorts and by the way the one bad thing about wanting a million views on youtube <laughs> is you, everybody wants a million views on YouTube, but nobody wants to sit and read and have to respond to all the negative comments. That they <laughs> oh get, gosh, right? they're brutal. <laughs> they're so bad. bad. And so I put this video out there that I was like, you know, great business owners. There's one thing they have in common. And a lot of it is that like there it's an accident. And what I mean by accident is like they stumble upon it. Like yeah. they, you know, that, and, and somebody was like, so what to, to get, you just got to be lucky. And I was like, or you just like, let things flow. Right. So for yeah. me to answer your question is like, I don't force, like, I know when I'm, when I know I have a bad idea when I forced it, like when I'm writing or when I'm like doing a video or like writing a script for a video, um, I stop writing when I, when it start when I'm forcing it, like, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, so it's very like stillness. Like I'm not forcing anything. Like I'm taking yeah. my time. I'm going to let it come because you know, I was talking to Nate Gab, unfortunately, <laughs> Nate, the Randall, interview. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nate, Nate Randall. Yeah. Nate Randall yeah. from Gab. And he goes, I go, you know, when some, you can tell when someone's forcing it on the golf course, right? Real easy. Right. And then what do you tell him? You're like, dude, get out of your head. Just swing. So Just swing. True. And you do way better. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's like this, it's, it's kind of, and I think probably create creatively as well it's like that muscle memory and they that's why they say it's okay to rely on your subconscious and your gut because your gut is actually mm -hmm. it's just working what do they say it's working seven times faster than than your <laughs> conscious thought and so yeah if you know yeah. how to swing again now for me i'm always forcing it on the golf course because I'm, <laughs> I'm horrendous but but the that's but great. if you're just out there and you're and you've trained and your your body knows what to do allow your body to take over allow that to take over in the mm -hmm. same way just allow that creativity come to you but it only comes in periods of still. So if I, if I said, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get some creative. I'm going to go get an epiphany right now. It sounds ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Instead, yeah. I'm going to remove my distractions. I'm going to be still. And I'm going to have a notepad and a pen and that's it. I'm just going to mm -hmm. let it come to me. That, that's, where, yeah. that's where it happens. Yeah. What was that quote? I, I heard it first from Mike Posner, but then it, I, it's a quote attributed to someone else. I can't remember, but essentially it was like, um, how many of your problems stem from the fact that you can't sit in a room, in a room alone by yourself? Wow. <laughs> like, cause Mike wow. Posner told this story about when he goes to this monastery, um, he he's put in alone for seven days in this, in this, I, I don't really know the whole thing, but he goes, 
away in this cabin and it's just him for seven days by himself. And the guys tell him at the beginning, they're like, don't call like this radio is if you're dying. Yeah. Otherwise don't call me. Right. Wow. And so he gets there and he says that he, he's like the first 10 minutes, he's like, Oh, maybe I could reorganize this and this and this. And then he goes, he goes, I just realized like, like I was creating a bunch of things to do in my head because I just couldn't sit with myself and be still for a minute. And that hit me. I was like, yeah, how many of our goals are just made up by ourselves because we just aren't okay with how the way things are going, like being present. Right. Yeah. That, that makes me feel almost physically uncomfortable. The thought of sitting for seven days alone in, in, in a way that makes me feel like I need to go do it because that's, where the heck am I going to, you know, it takes, what, what they, yeah. say, it say, they say it takes, uh, this is Gloria Mark, who's a researcher at UC Irvine. She uh, says that it takes 23 minutes and 15 seconds to refocus after you've been distracted. So think about that. Think about all of us. We're in a state of continuous wow. partial attention. Our phones are, are, are calling on us at all times. So we never yeah. get into that flow state. So 23 minutes and 15 seconds sounded daunting a few years ago, right as we were starting RO. I don't think I had been in that other than sleep, done anything uninterrupted for that amount of time. And I built that muscle up because that's what it is. Yeah. We're building up a muscle. So I've spent prolonged periods without my phone, which is an amazing experience for that. Everybody need to do needs to do. So yeah. it could be 30 minutes for a family dinner. It could be three hours for something more. Um, it could even be like a digital Sabbath that a lot of people take with RO, but it makes me feel like I need to challenge myself more into this, have prolonged days of sitting by yourself and just imagine yeah. what could open up from there. Yeah, my buddy, his name um, escapes me right now, but uh, I did a podcast with him a while ago. He's one of the founders of Coconut VA, and he's going to kill me because I don't know why I can't <laughs> I can't think of his name right now. But he to, uh, to, does dub, dub it in later. <laughs> he goes. He uh, does vacation laptopless. That's amazing. He's got a little a little group where he's like vacation laptopless and he's a CEO of like a couple, you know, a million, a company that just hit a million dollars a year in ARR. Right. And he doesn't take his laptop to work. He's like, if it's a problem, it'll, it'll be there when I get back. And if it's not, then it wasn't that big of kind of like the Napoleon thing. Yeah. Who waited two waited two weeks to respond to any letters. Amazing. It's it, crazy. It, so think, yeah. so, and, and so it sounds so foreign right now but mm -hmm. are you kidding you can't we can't go on a vacation without our laptop we can't we can't have a family dinner without a phone we can't and and so it's yeah it's only because, wild yeah these are just mental and social constructs we've set up for ourselves. and and our our premise at our was it doesn't have to be that way we can live we can yeah. actually live differently and in doing so it it probably feels a little bit risky to do it but you mm -hmm. you're going to end up living a more fulfilled life people who with yeah. thousands of people using ro right now and they'll tell you their life is dramatically better as a result of having a tool to help yeah. them disconnect from the biggest distraction in their life. And again, right. like I said, it's not, it's not a weekend detox. It's, it could be, but it's usually more like I'm going to read a book or I'm going to have my morning devotion or I'm going to have a family dinner or my daughter just walked up to me and she wants to talk about her day. So this is what I do. My daughter, if someone, if my daughter or someone, Hey, can I talk to you? I'll say, yes, hold on one second. I'll say, I'm going to put my phone away. I'm going to put my phone in the RO device. I'm going to put it there. Because what that does, Dalton, that can, that bestows value on the people around you. That my daughter just mm -hmm. immediately was elevated in value because I said to her, effectively, by putting my phone away, there are 7 billion people on the planet who could theoretically reach me through that device. I'm going to shut out mm -hmm. every single one of them for my daughter. 
And what does that mm -hmm. do to her self-esteem? What does that do to her, her self-worth by knowing that mm -hmm. I'm the most important thing to dad right now? Well, and you just set your, your kids up and people around you for six, like yeah. for success, because one of the things, cause I have a daughter as well. And one of the things that I was reading about was, and I heard this idea that like, um, sons and daughters and people will, will only tolerate what they're like, like to tolerate what they've tolerated from their parents, like how they've learned that from their parents. Right. Wow. So like, like I try not to yell at my kids. Or like, I mean, obviously we have to have conversations. I'm not saying yeah, that, but like, yeah, you know you. what I'm saying? Sure. Um, because like, eventually they're going to learn that like, if dad puts his phone away or dad doesn't yell, mom doesn't do these things, right? Why would I let anybody else around me do those things to me? Dude. That's, that's crazy. A, it's a game changer. Think about that. They're what they yeah. expect for themselves. And then you start putting other yeah. people on notice that, hey, this is my value. And you're going to respect, yeah. and, if, and if you don't respect my value, then you're going to dissociate. Because yeah. what's, I mean, that's a parent's, everybody parent, every parent wants their yeah. child to marry well and someone who's going to treat them well. And we don't necessarily right. connect what you just said, which is we're setting their expectation for how they're going to be treated someday. Yeah. And not, it, it could be romantic, could be professional, but whatever. But like you're talking, the most important person, dad, doesn't yeah. yell at me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So why would I put up with that from you? Or like, why would I, you know, I have expectations, I have boundaries and, and they're, and, and yeah. then you can enforce those boundaries and that's a whole different conversation. But I think, yeah, but I think what you're saying is just crazy because you're like, you're just teach, you're just setting kids up. You're setting yourself up for like, I have, you know, expectations and things in my life. And then when you can, you know, really successful people are able to like do that, you know, like they have non-negotiables, they have things yeah. where they're like, Hey, look, here's the deal, you know? Gosh, I heard that story and it was, you know, I heard a story that was crazy. I just thought of it and I, I hate doing this because I, I always like tell these stories and like bring, I just connect so many dots because I've interviewed so many people yeah. and it's amazing. But like, yeah. just heard a CEO talk the other day. He was like, non-negotiable for me is, um, I don't miss anything that's important to my kids. I don't miss it. Wow. So he's a CEO of a big company and he's like, he's like, my board goes, Hey, we're having a board meeting. He's like, no, my daughter has a basketball game. And then eventually, what did the board start doing? The board was like, hey, we're having a board meeting. We're thinking of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, five or six times. What works for you? And then he goes, picks one. <laughs> and it's just like people start to like figure it out, right? Yeah. We're and they appreciate we're, it. We're, 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 uh, they do, because people do like boundaries. They, they like to know where boundaries are. But we are. We're walking around training people all the time about how what, what's okay in our interactions with them. So uh, we we have to be very conscious, you know, as a, as a company, as we're in – um, we've been in, you know, R and D research and development for three years and we launched about four months ago as a company culture, we have to say to ourselves, Hey, if someone's on vacation, we're not going to, we're not sending them an email. Hey, when it's nighttime and I know my co-founder Heath, I know that Heath is during family time. I'm not going to send him a message. Now, one thing that's helpful for us is that we know you can tell in the RO app, we can see within our group. I, I know when somebody else is in their phone is away from them in RO. So I know it's family time. So I'm not going to bother them. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's, it's awesome. It's, so we're, wow. re, we're retraining when to send, when to respond, how to respond. And I've even had, this is great, um, Heath Wilson, who's co-founder of Aro, his wife sent me a message on vacation once. She said, you need to stop texting Heath. We're trying to have family time, which she's, I mean, we're super close. So it was kind of funny. But but then when you invite other people into the conversation, that's such a great thing. And that immediately I was like, yeah. yeah, of course I'll let you have. It. So it's, we are training people all around us. And again, that's what we hope to do mm -hmm. at our, we hope to, we hope for people to 
to kind of retrain yeah. how we communicate with others and don't do it to the detriment of those right in front of you. I like that. That's funny. Yeah. Good for her too, by the way. Like, and, and, yeah. and everybody, and everybody gets it right. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, you're right. Shoot. You know? Yeah. All right. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's, so, but it's so hard. It's so hard to like, just remember that. Yeah. This probably doesn't need to be, it, it's, it's just crazy how, because I, I feel like there's a connection between like how we've been trained to like watch like ingest media and like solve problems. And we get into like this hustle culture that like yeah. things need to be solved right away. And some things don't, you know what I mean? They're like, they go away. They're fine. Yeah. Stephen Covey you talks know about, you know, his, his urgent and important matrix. Do you remember that from seven habits of highly effective people? So you have okay. things that are urgent and important or not urgent and not important. And then they're, they're the other iterations. And so we yeah. spend, we spend a lot of the day responding to things that are neither important nor urgent yet we treat them that way. And right. so how can we, how can we reformulate that and not get into this such a reactive posture all the time? <laughs> and like you said, and yeah. even, you know, the, the hustle culture and hurry culture is, is interesting because we're, we're self-imposing a lot of that. And a lot of it is just so unnecessary. Yeah. It's not like all those things need to get done. How many of those would fall into the category of urgent and important or important yeah. and not urgent? We just need, we got to retrain ourselves and not just be focused on activity and activity for activity's sake. Yeah, that was it, right? Yeah, just doing something to th feel like you're doing something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like you're not really doing anything. <laughs> right, exactly. There's no real productivity just, there. Yeah, it's just busy work. I like, I, I think that that's just something that we all just got to get used to. You know, I think a big thing of that in a company and in a family, though, is just like trust and like healthy conflict, right? Like just being like, hey, I don't think that this is needs to be done right now. And, and maybe we can have that conversation, but I feel like we're losing a lot of like trust in the world with yeah. each other because that's a big one, right? Being able to go to, I mean, like you have the relationship, but you also had the trust, like, like your, your co-founder's wife trusted you enough to with that, like, Hey, yeah. you can't text him right now, dog. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, but like, but like, I'm not saying I just learned a lot from that story. Like, that's why I'm kind of coming back to it because I was like, she trusted you enough. You had the relationship. And so when she texted it, it, it wasn't malicious. Absolutely. You knew exactly where it was coming from. And that's like a healthy, not, I mean, conflict is a heavy word, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? It's kind of one of those things where you're like, yeah, when you're in the right spaces for each other and you're working towards the the goal, like the goal is this, you know, we, I know that I have healthier employees when I let them take a break and I don't talk to them for hundred <laughs> percent. It's so true. No, it's that we all got to recharge. Yeah, for sure. I totally yeah, agree with yeah. that. That's funny. No, I just, like I said, I just learned a ton from that story. So I liked, I was like, dang, that's a cool story. Yeah. Man. That's crazy. That's nice. crazy. How did you start Aro? So I was in, um, so I, I mentioned Heath Wilson a couple of times. So Heath, mm -hmm. Heath co-founded a, a financial tech firm called Evestment. And um, this was based in Atlanta. And Heath and I met actually at a men's small group eight or so years ago in Atlanta. And five years after that, this was 2017, Heath sold his business, um, Evestment, to NASDAQ. They sold it for um, upper nine figures, had a very good exit. So Heath Heath retired and, you know, kind of mid forties retired. And then 45 days into his retirement, his wife, who I just mentioned, who is hilarious. <laughs> she said, you got to get a hobby. You're driving me insane. So, so he, <laughs> so he shot me a text and he said, Hey, I have this idea that I've been sitting on for a couple of years and I, you know, let's go to lunch and talk about it. And it was all around this. It was all around 
Our phones are great, but they're distracting us from all the great things we want for our lives. We're missing soccer goals. We're missing story time with our kids. We're, you know, girls are growing up with poor self-image because they're scrolling TikTok and and Instagram all the time as opposed to being present. It's a huge issue. But back to the point, it it all goes back Mm -hmm. to our relationship. So we said we had this theory. What if we got the phone away from us? What if we just put it somewhere? So we had a shoebox. Heath put a shoebox, put it in. They put their phones in there as a family, which was cool. That worked fine. But the problem mm-hmm. was it needed to connect over to something else. We needed a nudge from our, um, we needed nudges from an app that said, reminding us to put our phones away. And then once we did it, we needed the pats on the back. We needed the streaks and the badges and all that stuff that, that gamifies that system. So mm-hmm. we built, we built a, you know, kind of a dummy app and, uh, and, kind of wooden boxes and we tested this out we said what would this really help people and it was a resounding yes from all of our users and they said two really interesting things they said the place to put your phone was powerful but it was the reward side of it that made it even better because when they got done with an ro session they saw that on the app they spent 45 minutes away from their phones they felt very proud of themselves. That was the word that kept coming back is, oh, I'm so proud of myself. I'm so mm-hmm. proud. I like this credit and like this reward. So we we set out to to develop a technology that would allow our phones to con- automatically connect to the app when we drop them in this small enclosure. So we did that. And then we developed this. And it couldn't have been just an app. That's that's a little bit of the problem, Dalton. I wish it could have been because hardware mm-hmm. is really expensive. Built Developing this, this smart box has been a really expensive thing but it's the only way to do it because we have to have it physically away from us. Mm-hmm. And so we launched, yeah. you know, we, we launched, so we have a full team now we're um, based in Knoxville, but then we have, we have um, several others um, throughout the country and really developing this going out and, and, and talking to people who are struggling with this. And it's generally families. This, this is who we're, this is who we built it for because we wanted to be better for our families and we wanted our families to be better. And mm-hmm. so we get, you know, we have thousands of people using RO right now. All of them would describe it as a game changer. And it's really the stories that we get from them that are really moving. So as a community, mm-hmm. the RO community spent coming up on about 150,000 hours apart from their phones, which is that's awesome. cool. Physically distant from their phones. How cool is that? But it's the stories, man. We, we got, yeah. we had a, we, I had one email me last week and she said, <laughs> she said, I was putting my 11 month old to bed. And she goes, when I came out, I was looking everywhere for my phone. She said, so I asked my eight-year-old, she said, Hey, have you seen, have you seen mom's phone? And the eight-year-old said, she goes, yeah, I put it in that box thingy. And she goes, (laughs) Oh, she goes, well, why'd you put in that box thingy? She said, because you play with me more when your phone's in the box, when the box, (laughs) bro, think about that. And here's the thing. We thought we were all for, how old are your kids, Dalton? Mine, Mine are six and four. All right, oh, bro, you're right. You're right, square in the target market because we thought it was for kids 12 to 16 who had mm-hmm. phones, and but we found yeah, it's great for them. But what it's really great for is for families with younger kids because those mm-hmm. kids will tell they'll they notice when we're not present with them, and they'll tell us they, even without judgment, they'll tell us without judgment, hey dad, um, you know, you put your phone away or dad, dad's always on his phone or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So they'll tell us, but what we do, we're training those kids (laughs) now. And to your point earlier, we're setting the expectation for them for what interactions should look like. And so Mm -hmm. it's super cool. We didn't think of this ourselves. Uh, One of our members came up with this. 
she will hand her phone to her six-year-old for and say, will you go put mommy's phone in, in the RO? And so what that does, it does two things. It trains that six-year-old. She knows that she's about to be the full focus. She's giving her phone mm -hmm. to her daughter just as a symbol that says, you're my full focus. She's bestowing value on her child. But then it's also training that child to develop a healthy relationship with their, with their phone someday. So it won't be a foreign thought to them to be away from their phone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's a really powerful act. And so with kids, I mean, you need one in your home. Anybody listening with kids, they need one because if you are, if anybody is struggling with, hey, I spend a little bit too much time on my phone or it's getting in the way of my relationships, you, you got to have the right tool for it. That's the right tool for it. So that, that's yeah. been shocking and amazing to hear those stories, especially with the young kids, because I think what kind of leg up in the world that these kids have because their parents have prioritized this in their lives. Well, and if they're so young, you're already setting the expectations and you won't have the the problems that we're having with some of the teenagers now. Totally right. Just like, you know what I mean? And and I'm with, um, I'm in the camp that, you know, I, I have I have friends on both sides, right? Like, so like young kids should embrace technology. And I, I agree with that. And then I'm on the, and then I have, but they're like hardcore, right? Like we're just going to yeah. deal with the consequences as they come. Then I have other people who are like no phones until you're married kind of thing. <laughs> and I'm, I'm kind of like in the middle, right? Which is like, um, which is like, but I, I see the, the craziness, man. You're just yeah. not, you're mentally not ready The like in my mind, social media is, is like, it should be treated like a controlled substance. Like your brain isn't ready for it. Like alcohol is completely legal, Yeah. but your brain, not for underage because your brain can't hand like physically. It's not like we don't want you to be cool or whatever. Like we're trying to do something like yeah. your brain can't handle it. I think we are going to get to the point where it's regulated by the government. We just have to. It, I, it, we have to. Everybody's, yeah, everybody's talking about, you know, dying by suicide. And you look at these kids who, are, who look happy, but where do they look happy? Yeah. Yeah. On their phones. That's right. On the pictures and stuff like that. Like where, where they were trained, you're supposed to be happy. Like we're supposed to smile for pictures. Mm. Right. Yeah. Not in real life. Like not you know, smiling with your friends or whatever. Right. And I'm not, look, I was a crisis counselor. I'm not saying this is a, I'm making a generalization, sure. acknowledging the nuances that exist out there. Okay. But I'm saying like in, in, in a relationship with a child, they just don't understand that. Like, that's not a real picture. Like that's not real life. Like real life is messy and it's sticky and it sucks. And it like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to all the time, but you get to the point where like, man, this isn't fun. But I think what's, what's yeah, anyway, I, I get super passionate about that whole conversation because yeah. it fires me up. It, well, it's totally true. And, and kids don't understand it, but I don't think a lot of adults, I don't think we understand it either. We know in our brains that's fair. that that's a snapshot, that that's not real, but that's still, but when you start seeing it again and again and again, it starts to, in your mind, think, well, why isn't my life perfect like theirs? Why, why isn't, why isn't, why doesn't my look like life look like it? Cause I see the mess all around me. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's hitting our psyche in a way that we don't really have any idea about. And I think years from now, we're going to look at ourselves and think what on earth were we thinking? Getting un yeah. <laughs> unfettered access to the internet and to social media to, to 10 year olds. Um, yeah. I think we're going to laugh at how we, how our relationship with, but I also think that there's a healthy relationship with technology. You mentioned Gab earlier and Nate, Nate Randall. I, I love what Gab's doing. I love that Gab, yeah. you know, Gab watch for kids at eight, nine, 10 years old. Hey, that's a great, that's beginning them to understand how to use technology well. And let's yeah. continue to teach. I, 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 I do have a theory that we should 
I don't think technology is going anywhere. So let's teach a good relationship with it. So it's yeah. not this huge daunting thing that totally, you know, takes us out someday, but we actually have a good relationship with it and know how to handle it. Yeah. I mean, you think about what a phone is for, like what it, what it was for, like help, right? Like we're going to help people stay connected and all these things. And, and it's just so funny how we've come full circle. I've mentioned this a bunch, but like as, as a, as a culture, we've gone like totally full circle. We've gone back to weekly episodes on HBO max instead of binging. Right. We've gone back to instead of, I don't want to be, I actually don't want to be connected to a million people across the earth. I actually want five or six really close friends that I can see every day. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, we've gone back to phones are actually just to let me know that there's something going on and then I'll handle it when it, I need to. Right. <laughs> well, that's because that's in our design, right? That's how we're yeah, designed. Yeah, yeah. That That's who we are as, as, as human beings. So it's, it's no, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's, it is funny. It's hilarious that we keep reverting back to that, but that's in our design. We're designed for, yeah. for deep, you know, for deep relationships. And you can't do that across a million people. You got to go a, a mile deep, not a mile wide. Right. Uh, amen. And I just, there's some things that there, so there's one book that I love that people just hate and they don't understand why I love it. <laughs> and, and, and it's only a few people, but have you ever read, because I, I just love this author, Robert Greene. Have you ever read The 48 Laws of Power? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Absence is yeah. one of them. And we've gotten to this point on social media that's like, you got to post that. You got to just stay in front of people's face. You got to stay. But like, what if, what, if it, what if you did the opposite? That's an experiment I'm working on. Is what if I only posted like once a week or maybe like once every two weeks? Yeah. Would I still get the same amount of likes? And would I still be able to do do good and i'll be honest with you i i think i've posted like once a week i think it does fine yeah because you focus on the content yeah. not the not the like i just got to pump it out there whether it sucks or not right it's like why don't i just like wait a couple weeks and post something really good and then back off I imagine that yeah <laughs> like, i mean think about how much fluff we scroll through on our feeds yeah. and yeah what and why there's well, and why there's whole courses on like how to write a catchy headline. It's like, <laughs> what if so you true. just didn't post anything for a little bit <laughs> yeah. and made it like really good? <laughs> made it interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you went, I wouldn't need a catchy headline, you know, it's uh, crazy. So funny. People, people I heard, I heard on, uh, I don't know if you listen to Smartless podcast, but they were saying the other day, they just hate uh -huh. the term, the term content because content, it just, by a term, it just sounds like filler. Like, Oh, I'm going to generate content, but it's just filler. How about to your point, just do something <laughs> bring something with some value in, in what you post. Yeah. I, I do agree. Yeah. <laughs> but it's anyway, again, just full circle though. Like we've come back yeah. to like, I'll write, I'll write a good book and then I'll wait for a little bit. You know what I mean? Until yeah. it's right. You know, I'm not going to force anything. And, uh, you know, to, to bring it back to your thing is like creativity. I think that's where a lot of it is. Like we just, we force ourselves in, into these deadlines for whatever reason. And maybe we didn't need to. But yeah. you had, but you thought the deadline was important because you couldn't chill out for a second. Right, exactly. <laughs> you couldn't put your phone in the RO box, Joey. That's right. Damn it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so true. That's <laughs> yeah. I love that, man. I'm I'm gonna I'm signing up. That's great because oh. I think it's just it just teaches kids too. Like you, we don't need to be on our phones. It's fine. It's actually not that big of a deal. Yeah. And if your friends want to come hang out, let's just go old school. Have them come knock on the door. 
Just didn't that. say you couldn't play. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> didn't say you couldn't Imagine play. I just that. said, can we not do it on the phone? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. And, and it's all about that balance. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's not right. We're, we're, and we are by no means looking to abolish our phones. We really do like them. It's just when are the appropriate moments for it? when you have your friends over, maybe yeah. it's, maybe it's okay to just hang out and talk or maybe, you know, certainly at family dinners. And, you know, one thing we definitely say, we don't think that kids should sleep with their phones in their room. And so here, here's, here's your oh, home yeah. for it. Um, here's your home for your phone while you sleep so you can rest and it can have a little bit of relax, you know, a little bit of distance from you, um, for the night. And it's, it's just a good thing so that we, mm-hmm. we got to build that healthy relationship in some ways, rebuild it for those of us who have phones and then just initiate a good relationship with their phones for those who don't have phones just yet. Mm. Amen. I love that. Well, Joey, before I let you go, because this has been an amazing conversation, where can everybody follow you on LinkedIn? Where can they uh, go to get RO, all those good things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on LinkedIn, I don't even know my handle, Joey Odom. Um, so you can find me out there somewhere. There aren't too many Joey's over 12 years old. So I, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm one of them, but, uh, <laughs> go check us out there on Instagram. You can follow RO at, at go RO now. And then our website is go RO.com G O A R O.com. Amen. That'll all be there. Thank you so much, boss. Thanks Dalton. Appreciate it, bro.